This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Pete Taronis, former Chief Technology Officer of the Department of Energy and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. Our guest today is accomplished business executive and cybersecurity strategist with over 29 years leading cabinet level and commercial entities. Pete is the founder and the CEO of the firm Dots and Bridges, which maintains an advisory service and helps companies throughout the Washington, D.C. area. Pete is also on several advisory boards for tech companies coast to coast. Pete has had several executive-level positions in the government to include the former Department of Energy's very first chief technology officer. First, Pete, it's a pleasure having you on the radio. I'm excited, Aileen. It's good to see you, and I look forward to the conversation. Before we get started talking about your very interesting journey, I'd like to talk. take this opportunity to ask you some questions about the current state of the, uh, the industry. Um, I couldn't help but be intrigued by your LinkedIn profile. You called yourself a futurist with a knack for connecting the dots in this truly technology-laden world. So here's my first question. Uh, what do you define as a futurist? Yeah, it's great. I actually had to look that up before I put it on my profile. And, and the way I define it, and again, this is from the Pizzeronis perspective, is you know, my travels in government, uh, the 25 years I spent in government, the four and a half that I've been out these these last several years you know, working with folks like yourself, um, it's not about predicting the future when I think of a futurist. It's knowing what's going on now, reading what's on the horizon, the art of the possible when it comes to technology in a world that's so ubiquitously connected, as we say, digitally connected globally. It's having a vision for what you think may happen without being a Nostradamus of sorts, because we don't know what will happen. So it's, I think it's imperative, especially technologists in this industry, to think about what's the state of affairs today, knowing it's going to change tomorrow, and then being able to articulate that to clients in that art of the possible illustration is kind of how I define it. And in pairing it with the worm technology laden world, I, I couldn't pick better terms. I know both you and I have. I think you have four kids. I have four kids. I have four kids. And yep. when I, I just worry so much about them because everything they do is connected to the technology and reminding them how important it is to understand that, you know, sitting in their bedroom, they're inviting the entire world. Yes. So what what do you mean by technology uh, laden? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And again, it's it's it it really was the effort putting into that that mission, if you will, of, of my company, which is uh, accepting, I think we all know, I, I was fortunate in 1991 as a 21-year-old at the Department of Defense working with the Internetwork Initiative that grew into what we all have grown up with, and that being the this digital revolution or evolution. So, so technology, I think you and I in this town, we don't have to explain how important it is in our daily life. But I think the synergy between technology, humanity, and culture is something that, not to say we can't live without it, but it's everywhere. We're seeing developing countries adopt technologies and infrastructure faster than the United States. But the United States really pioneered it. And I think folks like yourself and I, especially in government, 
had the opportunity at its birth and now we're seeing it mature. And I just like to think of it as technology laden being where can you go with not an individual, you know, a hundred years old or probably, you know, 18 or 12 with a, with a digital device in their hands. Pete, you've had decades, three decades of experience working with the government, but over the last few years, you've been very focused on the private sector advising mostly tech companies. Over the last decade, the technology landscape has drastically changed with the evolution of a cloud computing, AI, quantum, and 5G. How do you believe these technology advances will change the way we live? Yeah, great question. And there was a lot of uh, buzzword lingo, as we say, buzzword bingo in there. I think from cloud to AI to machine learning to quantum information science to 5G, if we just accept that that is part of what we call that critical infrastructure in our country, the ping, the power, the pipe that we generally don't see, but actually understand that without it, we can't do the things which is emailing on our cell phone or using Photoshop to fix a picture or connecting on Wi-Fi. I was fortunate in my journey, Aileen, to really spend about eight to 10 years in a data center and understand that world of the, the, the router, the switch, the circuit. And when I was in graduate school, I, I made it a point at a time when, again, I just wanted to be a sports broadcaster when I left Villanova University. And I found myself at Johns Hopkins University uh, because of some time at the Department of Education in a data center, trying to understand how all this was not only changing the world, but I needed personally to know how it worked to talk about it one day. So, you know, you mentioned four domains, um, and I think that those are right now extremely, extremely compelling conversations. But I think of it from a citizen resident perspective. People expect stuff to work, whether you're a utility adopting these capabilities or you're a commercial client in the space. And how the federal government plays into it, I think, could be a theme on our conversation today is how the United States government, industry and commercial and entrepreneurial vision are going to benefit the citizen, the service to the citizen. And that's what to me is less about what do these topics and mean mean to me and more look what they're enabling you to do in society and in the economy. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. And today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer of the Department of Energy and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. So, Pete, let's get back to that. So how can the citizen, how can the government change the way they serve, become more efficient with some of these great new technologies that really change the dynamic of how you can deliver the mission? Great, great question. And again, a segue. I, I like to think of things in threes personally. It kind of keeps it sort of... Uh, at least for me, simple. United States government, the United States government, we spend, as you know, 90 billion thereabouts every year on IT support and services. There's also another coffer of funds that are in the 130 to 140 million, billion, billion with a B that is, uh, range that goes out to industry for things through the form of, of grants and funding opportunities to solve our nation's problems. And these are the problems that, uh, canvas the 16 sectors like energy and manufacturing and dams and water and wastewater, the critical sectors that we hear about the term critical infrastructure in the media, uh, in administrations past and present. And if we as citizens think about and residents that these are the things when I flip a switch on in my house or when I'm driving in an autonomous or self-driving vehicle or thinking about, you know, is my water clean industry with federal investment and entrepreneurial vision are what are really driving 
what what hopefully will be a safer, more secu- secure future. And when I when you correlate the government's role to education, informing, and yes, our tax dollars going out to industry, the hope is that there's a collaborative effort, open government principles, we refer to them, right? Transparency, participatory government, uh, uh, sharing information, if you will. And I think that that's always going to be the challenge is it doesn't take masses of people. It takes everyone knowing the role. And the government catches a bad rap sometimes for what is it actually doing for me? And I think that message, and I use the smart cities realm, which is something people can relate to because it's impacting their life when you're talking about traffic patterns or secure uh, transportation routes or the grid not going down from a cyber attack. That's to me the storytelling component that is so integral to whether you're a technologist or a political appointee or a commercial entity to speak to the level and assume that the person you're speaking to is wondering, why should I care and what's in it for me? So you've been working with these companies for the last uh, at least five plus years. Can you name something that you're particularly proud of that helped, uh, you know, in that in enable what you were just talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I You know, Dots and Bridges is, um, is really a reflection of what I did when I was in government. I used to call myself the connective tissue officer. Uh, I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said since I left government, uh, what is Dots and Bridges? Are you a convener? Are you a connector? It wasn't until I read a tipping point that I realized I was something. I was a guy that really enjoyed through his Myers-Briggs ESFJ that I am, Uh, I get my energy from around people and learning about people and understanding when we go home at night and we're not um, wearing our badge or title that we actually all are concerned about the same things. And that's the security of our family and our identity and things of that nature. But yes, I've been working with companies uh, as of late with connecting dots and building bridges around how to sell, how to buy. Having been sold to for so many years, Aileen, I know what worked for me. And I was always looking for, tell me what distinguishes you from uh, you're not competitor, but what makes you special as a product company or as an integrator? And I'm helping companies, I feel, do that in a way that's unique through stories. Facts tell, stories sell is a mantra that a mentor once said to me. And when you speak to folks who have big checkbooks, it's it's not a matter of just getting the deal. It's also making sure that that's a sustainable relationship. And that's where I find that I have a number of clients uh, that that I think are starting to appreciate that about at least dots and bridges. I don't make anything, but I'm sort of that individual when brought into a room can kind of piece it all together. And and I really find that that energizing. Um, I've had the fortune to sit on some advisory boards where you're in a room with a lot of like-minded folk. And I'm always trying to be the guy in the room that says, well, these are all great ideas, but we need to pair this person up with that person. And, and having that networking community is really what I bring to the table with my clients. And, uh, you know, I think leveraging academia, leveraging the national laboratories, leveraging international partners, which I'm fortunate to be doing through the Department of Commerce running the supercluster for smart cities, has really been an eye opener because there is somebody today in the globally connected world that folks can work with. And that connection, physical but also mental, uh, is really where we're seeing innovation being driven that's impacting everyone globally. I'm speaking with Pete Taronis, former chief technology officer of the Department of Energy and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. 
After a break, we'll find out from Pete what's it like in the day of the life of the CTO of the Department of Energy. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer, Department of Energy, and founder of C- and CEO of Dots and Bridges. Now, Pete, you were first, the first, CTO of the Department of Energy. Now, tell me about that role. I mean, especially being the first one. Yeah, yeah, no, great, great question. I get asked that a lot. And honestly, it wasn't something I was looking for. At the time, it was around 2009-ish. And as you know, CTOs, unlike CIOs, are still, we're still just beginning to come into, you know, the, 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 on the landscape, if you will. Uh, Anish Chopra was there in the Office of Science and Technology Policy, and it really put a brand to a title. Well, you know, spending most of my years growing up in technology, I thought I wanted to be a CIO. But uh, one day my, my leadership came to me and, and, you know, having been sort of doing what I think the role was, and that was doing a lot of communication and outreach and knocking on doors inside the department and visiting the national laboratories and working with industry and investors, I coined that connective tissue officer role being one where that's what I think a CTO should be, at least at this department, that is heavily focused on intel, counter-intel, academia, research and development, of course, the traditional IT, and it's a $35 billion agency that's hidden in plain view on Independence Avenue. So I took the role and decided that, you know, first or second or fifth or what have you, it was, it was taking a blank canvas and painting something, and it turned into what I like to think of as really that convening community. We ran technology summits. We brought in the national labs. We had speakers come in and, and tell their very technical stories and layman speak, and I enjoyed it. It was my favorite job. I, I really did not want to leave government, but I think I left, or I hope I felt as though I imprinted on the department the importance of that language translation that needs to happen in that agency where there's so much academia in parts of this country that have been around for decades doing things to give us the iPhone, to discover a reptile, to put a uh, lithium-charged battery into a car that can drive autonomously, and being able to be that storytelling entity. And that's really what set me up for Dots and Bridges, which is to be the same guy, just not as a federal employee. Now, you were there eight years, so you, and over those eight years, you accomplished quite a bit. So are there any particular accomplishments you are, you know, that you'd like to talk about that you're, you're very proud of? Yeah, yeah, proud or more just inspired by, uh, I have, again, mentors who, throughout my life and coaches that, that always uh, remind me to remember where you came from and to uh, not assume things will happen without hard work. And for me, it was uh, just maintaining my curiosity. I mean, jumping on planes and flying away from your family and getting home late at night some nights because you were there to learn and experience the mission of that department is something that I can never have taken away from me, and it's, it's left an imprint on me. But meeting the folks in these national laboratories really, really left its mark. Personally, it was that side of me that was understanding outside the Beltway culture but then coming back to D.C. and doing my part to kind of bridge the gap. And you mentioned earlier a lot of the terminology that is whatever the hottest thing coming out of OMB is, is uh, you know, and it's also always recycled. But how cloud, how data, how 5G, 
how cyber, how cyber physical, how the IoT uh, will impact a lot of what we touch and feel and use every day in our daily life. Uh, we built a technology roadmap. We, in 2010, launched the first crowdsourcing effort at the Department of Energy, which myself and two colleagues of mine really initiated to just say, let's get the voice of this department in this community and figure out what's the gap. We hear all the terms, but what's its impact? And that led to a technology roadmap, which became a living, breathing document and a tool to help the community of 46 or thereabouts program offices, mission entities, understand that, oh, there's a place for them in that. And it wasn't a tech roadmap. It was a roadmap for the mission of the Department of Energy. And I found that to be uh, an accomplishment of sort that that became my tool every day I went to the work. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer, Department of Energy, and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. So, Pete, let's talk about leading an organization through such great change, where a technology roadmap is really, you know, changing the way they they work every day, which really requires you know, quite a bit of leadership and communication. So any lessons learned from that that you could share with leaders out there facing the same type of challenges? Sure, sure. That, that's a that's really, really interesting question. I think it dovetails nicely into maybe something else I felt was a bit of an uh, accomplishment of sort. Um, we use the term mission as technologists a lot, uh, technologists a lot, right, Aileen? I mean, we, we talk about we support the mission if you're the CIO or you know, the mission's important to me if you're an integrator bringing, providing those professional services. Uh, when I was at the department, and the reason the roadmap, I felt, became at least a tool for me was I was able to take these highly technology-laden terms like cloud, like spectrum, like data analytics, and go talk with somebody in the fossil energy arm, the nuclear energy arm, the Energy Information Administration, and their mission, which is extremely surgically focused on areas like distributed energy or renewable energy or uh, nuclear energy, and say, how is technology either filling or not filling the gap for you to do that work in your mission? And while technologists, we have a mission to whatever that is, depending upon who you speak to, uh, when you talk with the mission components, the program components, the functional components, let's just say that's the people that aren't in the OCIO office of every agency, you understand and learn a dialect. And then I think every technologist's role is, let me translate that back to a technology solution for that requirement. And that, that, that storytelling bridging of communication, which you mentioned, Aileen, was really and is really something that is a gap today. I mean, look at investors when they're looking to invest in the next thing in a room with an academic. I call it the Mother Teresa Gordon Gecko discussion. They may be coming at it from different reason or from a different platform, but somebody needs to convene that so that both needs are being met or else it'll be a stalemate. And then what we lose in there and what's left on the cutting room floor is a missed opportunity for innovation to occur. So I think communication and conversations and, and, and being that storytelling translator is significant and it's a gap today. So is there anything that you did during your time there that, you know, you'd like to have undone and, uh, or, or something that you, you know, now that you step back was an incredible gift because it was a truly lesson learned 
Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could have spent more time in uh, outside the Beltway. Uh, my journey today, uh, these last four years, have given me an expansive or sure, pervasive opportunity to meet stakeholders uh, that, that I couldn't have had when I was a federal employee. I mean, I couldn't go to, to Congress and speak to a staffer without tons of red tape. And if then, and even in the federal government or in my own building, it was very rare that I could just go knock on the door of a political and talk about, hey, what's keeping you up at night? And that's a quote unquote term that I don't generally like to reference, but it's just what it is. Um, no, I, I, I wish I had a little bit more time um, less as, as I said, I was a senior executive service member and I was very fortunate and blessed. But when I was a senior advisor, I had much more leeway to go out and do and collect and gather and then celebrate at the department for about two and a half years, which really, I think, helped that communication barrier, um, uh, how to break it down a bit so that it was palatable to, to all different types of stakeholder communities. I'm speaking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer, Department of Energy, and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges Consulting. Coming up, we'll talk to Pete about his role at Department of Education. You're listening to Leaders in Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders in Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis former Chief Technology Officer, Department of Energy, and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. So, Pete, let's let's talk about your role. At, after Prior to joining Department of Energy, you spent, uh, you spent eight years at Department of Energy, and then you spent close to that at Department of Education, where you were the Chief Technology Officer also there. What were what what was your role? What did you accomplish there during the time that you were uh, employed at Department of Education? Yeah, yeah, thank you. And again, going back to the the walkabout of life, fresh out of college, started at the DoD, spent three years there, and then fortunately, at when I was a GS eleven, I had a you know I think it's time to move on uh, moment, and uh, there was an opportunity at education to go over and help their IRM office, if you remember those days pre Klinger Cohen and work with the technology arm on a, as a computer security specialist, whatever that really meant. I was filling out paperwork for people to get access to the computer systems, mini computers. But within a year, I was dabbling with Gopher and Telnet and FTP and realizing this wasn't computer science. And that evolved, or should I say scratched, I scratched an itch, which was get back into school and study telecommunications. Well, that kept evolving every year. And, and I was, for eight of my 13 years at the Department of Education, I was running the data center. And Aileen, that's where I was fortunate with Craig Lugart, who you know and, and is an amazing individual, put me in an opportunity as a GS-14 to be the director of the network services and work with companies like Cisco and Juniper and, and the carrier networks on deploying a enterprise-wide IP telephony, voice over IP network, and serving the education community and bridging together a lot of our uh, field offices. And that was really my most exciting, compelling opportunity as a young gun and getting out on the speaking circuit and government and talking about how technology was enabling through telephony a different way of making phone calls, simply put and at the same time leveraging the internet. So it was a great 13-year run, and I wasn't the CTO till the end when it was kind of like uh, voluntold, you're, you're out of that business of data centers, and we need you to be more strategic and focused, and we appreciate what you've done. And that's really, I wasn't there about eight months before I, I made the leap to energy. Wow. So today, you, you know, Department of Energy, 
education of our young. There's such a great gap in technology talent in our nation. Did you have a chance to to start being putting that in part of your strategy? And what should the nation do to help close this gap? Yeah, that that's a that's a loaded and wonderful question. Uh, you know, my, one of other project that that was just uh, I was reminded of yesterday was taking the technology, and this speaks to the earlier segment where. Why should I care and what does it mean to me? We were able during Inter- Education Week to connect the International Space Station with uh, folks up there with students at the Department of Education headquarters right downtown D.C. And there was like an eight-second delay between kids asking questions of the astronauts and so forth. And it was an amazing moment because it was technology-enabled that through this this IP telephony network. Um I, I think, so that was just a quick sidebar of something that was kind of exciting, which speaks to the education component. I think a lot of technologists, if asked that question, and right, wrong, or otherwise, would have a hard time saying, you know, I don't really know, because I spent about seven years, Aileen, at the Department of Education, and I couldn't tell you really what the mission was. I knew there was a No Child Left Behind effort. I worked in a data center, but there were 20-plus program offices that I didn't spend enough time with to know, what is it you need? technologically. And what I was finding out, especially after I left, and I didn't allow that to happen at Energy, was that's where our education agenda, how we're putting technology in the hands of students. I was fortunate to work with a group right before I left education on the, the, the education and classroom of the future, which to me was technology will underpin. It's not the problem, but we need to educate parts of our country. And today we still have the same challenges. We live here in the DMV, we have more Wi-Fi, we have more opportunities, and we still have parts of, of our own DMV that don't have the capability or, if you will, the, the opportunity to leverage the technology. So I think we are personally still challenged, and all someone has to do is go visit some of these state, local, municipality communities and realize um, rural America is dominating this country, and technology and the focus uh, more so the techno- than the technology should be uh, put there because... Um, Talk is cheap, and I think we need to to really understand who's who's limited, and figure out how to put the technology there to bring that that society or that small economy, if you will, uh, up to what we have here in the DMV. You're listening to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer, Department of Energy, and founder of CEO of Dots and Bridges. So, Pete. You mentioned your first job briefly in the earlier uh, uh, segment. Uh, what was that first job, and and how did you find it? Yeah, I was. Um, it's a great, great story. Uh, well, I shouldn't say great story. It's an interesting story. Uh, I started at the Pentagon um, in 1991, February, um, and I was a space management specialist which morphed into a management specialist. But I was in 1A123 at the Pentagon as a guy helping our nation's soldiers and officers when they came to do their tour through the Pentagon, find space, living space, office space. You know, my father was an, arch- is, was an architect. Um, lost my father last year, very, very, very tough time. But my father was an architect, so here I was doing quasi-architecture work, designing things on AutoCAD that he used to still do with pencils and, and, and rulers, and going home at night and realizing, I'm not an architect, but I'm using technology to help our nation's, uh, our nation's military find, find home and space to fit their rank and grade. 
I did that for like two and a half, three years, walked around the Pentagon, got to meet with people and very important people. And it was a very uh, awesome three years because it, again, it led me to working on the internetwork project that was led by DARPA, you know, in a capacity where I was on the periphery, but like, wow, this is going to change the world. And that's what really set me in motion because I looked at computers and systems and things like, why didn't I go to school for computer science? Well, I wasn't a coder and I couldn't even speak that language. But that job at the Pentagon, arguably what you know you felt was the safest place in the world to work, really, really set me on my path. And uh, it's what led me, obviously, to the, to the other uh, uh, agencies I was fortunate to work with and at. You, you mentioned the project, the Internetwork Project uh, Program. Uh, that was the beginning of the Internet. How exciting. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could tell you as a... Again, I'm 52 with four kids and a great wife from Pittsburgh, and I just adopted. We have a new puppy in the family. He's an Australian Labradoodle, and uh, it's like having a, a fifth child. Um, that time at the Pentagon and that project, when you think about when you don't know what it means to you, but you have those light bulb moments, Aileen. And it wasn't until I was sitting at a computer typing www. I'm a big Dolphins fan, Miami Dolphins, and I type miamidolphins.com. And I saw this information come up and it was, whoa, that is amazing. And <clears throat> for those of you on the, in the audience who are listening, the internet before we knew what it was and had a graphical interface uh, was being worked on for many, many, many years. It's why Vint Cerf, who, you know, talks a lot about the days of IPv4 and I was fortunate to work on the IPv6 task force and lead a lot of that in government really set the stage, and there were people that knew this was coming, but as a consumer, and happened to be at the Pentagon in the DOD where a lot of this early stage uh, innovation was occurring, it was that. It was Eileen typing something into a screen and having information come up, and I never would have been able to get that in a newspaper or what have you, and it was real time. So that really is what spurred me to wanting to know more. The curiosity kicked in. And there I was at school at night for the next three years studying telecommunications so that by the time I graduated, uh, you know, Mosaic, Netscape, Internet Explorer, everything was out now and we were consuming it, information through the Internet. And I can kind of say I was there before it really happened. So that was an, that was a good moment for me. You and I are about the same age and, uh, and both started in technology about the same time. When you typed that in and you felt that excitement, did you... You're a futurist. You, you've called several things way in advance of other people. Did you see the power of what this delivers to, to the average citizen? Yeah, you know, I thought of it as the potential. I used to walk by, a, a again, referencing back to my favorite NFL team, I used to buy the Miami Herald coming out of LaFont Plaza every morning because it was 75 cents, but I got at least 24 hours old news. I felt the day I saw that information pop up on my screen, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I think this is going to be big. And by the time I got to education and computer security started coming into it, like, ooh, the questions around what's information we should be sharing, which has led us today to the same challenges, which is data protection, uh, authentication. of. So I think back then, I don't want to call it wild, wild west. It was that moment that maybe uh, people today are experiencing with, with, you know, in my household, it's streaming video and media and every kid on the device versus like the days of just having a remote control. People can get information on their own device versus watching that big thing on the wall that's 65 inches wide. 
Uh, I think it's those moments. And I had that moment and I felt like this isn't just going to be big. This is going to change the world. And it has. So the, you're you're the young person sitting there, and and I had a similar experience with um, email. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and you're sitting there, and you see this opportunity, and you see a, the problems it can solve. Any advice to the young person out there? Because technology day is moving. You know, the clock speed of technology is you know 100x what it was back then. So there's faster, more every single job. I don't care you, you don't have to be a technology person not to have technology change the way you do your job today, especially with AI and 5G. Any advice to that young person out there to to help find that incredible career that you have had because oh. you discovered that? Yeah, you know, again, I'll tell to anybody listening, I, again, I still wish I was a sports broadcaster. It was my passion. I wanted to do that. But I, I, I now can honestly say that getting my liberal arts degree from Villanova, getting an advanced technical degree in a business school at Johns Hopkins, and going to work every day knowing I have so much I can learn and being smart about consuming what I can, uh, technology will never be the problem. The question is, what component of the job you're doing, whether you're in finance, whether you're in transportation, whether you're in manufacturing, understand the problems and figure out, because there's no shortage of it, what technologies are out there that can maybe enable that uh, to, to not being a challenge. I encourage every student and every kid that I mentor that if you're studying anything from health uh, nursing to engineering, take a class in your university around whether it's cybersecurity or IT as not a minor, just to understand the impact it's having in those sectors. Preventative medicine, precision medicine, uh, autonomous vehicles, the 16 critical infrastructure sectors that each and every one of you listening will go into as a student has a technology component. And that, to me, should be enough for you to be thinking about how will technology make my career once I leave the university uh, more effective and more um, of value? And that's on the individual, Aileen. There's no book that teaches it because it changes by the minute. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former chief technology officer of the Department of Energy and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. Next, we'll find out what the biggest challenges Pete sees for the next generation of executives in the government. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. And today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer of the Department of Energy and founder and CEO of Dots and Bridges. Pete, I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, what do you think the next biggest challenge for government exec- executives will be in, in the realm of technology? You know, I don't think if it's the next biggest, I think it's a, a challenge and an opportunity for the federal government specifically having lived that. Uh, and you can obviously understand this coming from the industry side, Aileen, the horizontal communication that needs to occur not only within an agency, but across agencies. When we talk about shared services and these new technologies and these agendas, I think it's it's imperative, and I think everyone C-suite-wise, if we're speaking about executives, and I don't mean that to be, or a CIO, but the chief acquisition officers, the chief human capital officers, the chief financial officers, the chief data officers, chief performance officers, all of these titles, and I like, as of late, to be saying titles do not correlate entitlement. Everyone who has a title like that, their job, in my view, part of the day should be to go talk to your peer who isn't the technologist but probably has the mission need for technology. 
And I think until we uh, um, get past the, the council of this and the council of that, my question would be, why do we have so many councils and not one council? Why don't we have people at the table that need to be at the table talking strategy and implementation? Why I think we can improve the way that OMB and GSA uh, work their magic, which is developing policies, pushing it out through that entity and then to the agencies. I encourage feds to move out of OMB and GSA and, and the agencies and, and kind of rotate to understand the ecosystem of government. So I think it's a horizontal communication challenge that is not easily fixed without people just simply saying, I'm willing to be a part of that and I will do what I have to do to, to when I'm in a room with the CFO, not be thinking, well, they don't understand my world because I'm the tech person. And maybe they're a lot more technical than you are, or you give them credit for, because they're the ones with the application that your job, Mr. Technologist or Miss Technologist is to figure out and solve a problem and give them an opportunity, which goes back to having a roadmap of sort of plan. Um, show me a person without a plan. I'll show you a person who plans to fail, but communicating that plan, respecting individuals' roles, the horizontal communication to me is the challenge today, tomorrow, and probably you know, into next year. And that has nothing to do with politics and being political appointees. It's just drop your ego at the door and let's go have a sandwich and talk about what you need and how I can help provide that to you. Or hyperconnect the government. Hyperconnect. Great, great word. I love it. I'm going to steal that one. So let me turn that around on you. You've been working the last uh, you know, five plus years with the technology companies out there turn that question around for the tech community. Great, great. Um, so having been sold to, as I like to tell folks for 20 plus years, I know what works regardless of my title and my role and where I sat. And today I have the fortunate opportunity to help companies, product companies, integrators, think about their messaging. I spend more time with behind the scenes. Tell the story of why that person you're going into, not just getting the meeting, but what makes your product unique? Do not give me a 12-point PowerPoint. Do not give me uh, anything when you came to visit me that wasn't beginning with a let's connect as human beings and then tell me a story why you think that product you have is so special that it's going to solve a problem I have, which assumes you've done a little homework and your product is unique. I believe every product in the tens of thousands that are out there do something special. And the onus should be on industry to make sure instead of comparing themselves to others, say, Here's what we do really well. And the investments that federal agencies have made to the tune of $90 billion a year annually, you never say that was a bad investment. You say, here's how we think we can complement those investments you made. And over time, if that product's legit, it might replace it. And that, to me, is what's unfortunately a lot missed in the industry side of things when doing the selling. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Pete Saronis, former Chief Technology Officer of the Department of Energy and founder of Dots and Bridges. So, Pete, let me ask you, where did you grow up? I grew up in the DMV in a town called Wheaton, Maryland. Born in Philadelphia, though, spent a couple years there, but my entire life went to high school here in D.C., Archbishop Carroll, Villanova, as I mentioned. I have a lot of roots in Philadelphia, but yes, this is an area I call home a native Washingtonian. So, Pete, if I was to go back to the 22-year-old that was leaving Villanova, you know, fresh with his degree to become a radio and sports announcer, I guess, um, and said, hey, this is what your life's going to be like in 30 years, what do you think he would say? I would have said, you're kidding me, and I wouldn't have believed you. But what I would have is, 
and I've realized this 30 years later, and it's sort of what I like to think of people, and I ask that question a lot. You know, if you knew you couldn't fail, what do you think that would be? And I ask people that, whether they're leaving government or thinking about what their next career is. This is an adventure. This is my journey. I hope a year from now I'm doing different work with different clients in a different manner. But I've really adopted this. My destiny is is rooted in passion, purpose, purpose and persistence. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought I'd end up as the CEO of a company called Dotson Bridges and spent 25 years in government. But it's the formation that today, when I leave the studio with you, Aileen, or when I leave, I feel like this is that journey that's exciting because I don't know what an hour from now or who I'm going to meet or who I'm going to talk to uh, will will present in terms of opportunity. Your career and your success have truly been inspirational. Any final pearls of wisdom you would give the next generation of either high-tech executives or people who would like to follow in your career footsteps? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to your brand. Uh, and I appreciate that question maybe as a parting shot. Um, there's a lot of people out there. There are companies that help folks with brands. Companies need help with their brands, uh, individuals. I have found that you know, being, being Pete Aronis, dots and bridges, if you will, all I can do every day is distinguish myself. And I would say to everyone out there, whether you're in government or in industry or in a college student, think about what makes you special. Your brand, your character, it is all you have. How you present yourself, how you articulate, how you storytell. Understand what you like to do versus what you don't like to do. And whatever job you end up taking, always hope that it's a blank canvas, not paint by numbers. Because regardless of what becomes of your education and your walkabout in life, all of that will be wisdom that you're, you're gleaning, that you're learning, and one day when you get to give back, it's going to be hopefully what people remember you by as the individual that you are. So brand that's personal to you, you can control that and think about it versus trying to fit yourself into some square peg. If you're around whole, that will be a problem. So brand awareness and, and work on it in your entire life, I think, is the uh, parting shot I'd like to leave today for those folks out there. My guest today has been Pete Taronis. Pete, I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some really valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.